Good morning, church family. By now, most of you have received a letter from our pastor announcing a transition in the life of Sagemont Church. There was a very wise king who, prompted by the Holy Spirit, penned these words. He said, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. And so we are in a new season and a new time frame. Give your attention to the video that Pastor has produced to explain the transition. Every day I get up thinking this is the day the Lord's made and I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Last week we saw 22 people baptized, many guests, and the fellowship in the hallways was electrifying. God has blessed Sagemont so much. And never has it been more true than right now. I love baseball. Enjoyed playing it growing up. Was present when Little League Baseball came to Houston. You have a starting pitcher. As pastor of Sagemont, I feel like I was a starting pitcher. But you always have those that are available when needed. And I believe the time has come when it's needed. So effective today, I'm going to be known as the founding pastor of Sagemont. Brother Chuck Snyder will be known as the interim senior pastor and Freeman Tomlin, the teaching pastor, and will be the voice of Sagemont Church. I want to encourage you to pray and support the leadership of our church, and let us move forward as a team to win. We're in a time of transition. We're in a time when we can look and say hats off to the past, but coats off to the future. God is in control of His church. It's His church, not ours. Our goal is to lift up Jesus Christ, and we need to do it the best way we can. And the decisions that have been made, I believe, will lead us to a higher ground, and that we'll see more people in the future come to Christ than we have in the past. So let's pray, and let's serve the Lord together, and praise His holy name. And so, church family, this is not the end. This is the beginning of a transition. Some have already asked me, well, how long does transition take? (laughs) Nobody knows. It is the beginning of a transition where we will begin to put a search team together to find the next pastor of Sagemont Church. We've never done this before. This is a beginning of a transition. How long does it take? Nobody knows. We do have an example from a sister church across the city, the Great First Baptist Church of Houston. They had an incredibly iconic pastor who uh, retired in his case, and uh, the church began a search and, and the search, in their case, took four and a half years. They were searching for their next David. Remember the story in the Bible where Samuel was instructed to find the next king, and he began the search, and God led him to David. The least likely candidate became the next king of Israel. And so God will lead our church family to find our next David. 
I do know, I do know a few things. I, I know that in First Baptist's example, it took First Baptist Church four and a half years, but they finally found their David in a young man named Greg Mott. And the rest is history. First Baptist Church is soaring like the proverbial eagle. I believe we'll go on a search. It could take six months. It could take six years. I do not know. But we will be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We will find our next David. And I know this. Greg has given us a model and an example. When we find our David, when he stands in this pulpit, people will drive a long, long way to go to church. And when they come to church, they will inspect and they will expect. They'll inspect the new pastor, they'll inspect the church, and they'll have expectations. What will they find when they come to Sagemont? They will find one of the greatest churches in all of America in any way you gauge a church. They will find... They will, find, they will find a helping hands ministry led by Jim Hastings that is unparalleled. They'll find a pastoral care ministry led by Rex Forsythe that is second to none. They'll find a counseling ministry with seven licensed professional counselors that nobody else in Houston even comes close to. They'll find adult Bible studies, 49 different adult Bible studies. Are you kidding me? Nobody else comes close to that. They'll find a children's ministry that is unparalleled. They'll find a missions ministry that is second to none. They'll find a church that is debt-free. They will find a church that is incredibly healthy because of this pastor. That's what they'll find. They will inspect and they will expect and they'll look at our facilities and we have unbelievably beautiful facilities from top to bottom save in one area. In one area of our church life we do not emulate the core value of excellence and that's in our student building. And so we have started an Envision program to raise the $12 million so that when the next David comes and steps in this pulpit, he's going to see unbelievable facilities to, from top to bottom. I believe with all my heart we need to get her done with the student building. I believe we need to get her done. And I believe we need to get her done to the glory of God and to the honor of our pastor. I think we ought to put his name on the building. The greatest pastor in America, Dr. John Morgan. As he comes now, I want to pray for him, but you thank him for 53 incredible years. Lord Jesus, we are real grateful. Every single one of us, our heart is stirred with fond memories of how this man has poured his life into ours for our good and for our edification. We are unbelievably grateful. And we acknowledge the new season and the new transition. We acknowledge that. It, it's kind of like a grieving process, even though we acknowledge it with our head. It hurts. 
And so bless my pastor. Continue to use him to your good and glory. Be with our church. Anoint the Sagemont Church family. Father, we look forward to the tomorrows. We believe that the tomorrows will be greater than the yesterdays because of the foundation having been laid. Thank you, Father, for an incredible testimony of 53 powerful anointed years. Bless my pastor into the future, I pray in Jesus' name. And all the people said... Thank you, Brother Chuck. God bless you, wonderful people. I uh, am going to try to keep my composure this morning. And, uh, you know, the Bible says a merry heart does good like a medicine. I also have been around the term pulpit committees all my life. In East Texas, they call it the bullpit committee. And uh, during that time, I've learned a lot, and I know it's not going to be easy. We don't know whether it may be, like Brother Chuck said, six weeks or uh, however many years. And uh, Larry Hips, who was our bus minister, as Brother Chuck was at one time, and some of you don't know, you've never seen the little green and white buses, but we used to bring in over a 1,000 children until... Politics or the government and regulations stopped that. But uh, Brother Larry Hips was known throughout America as, a, as the greatest, and Bill Moore, and then Brother Chuck was our, our minister, and uh, it was just incredible times. But Larry always had something different to share. He sent this to me many years ago, like 2003, and it's researched ahead of time so you can get ready there has been some resumes sent out some people have been called and uh, these have been recommended as possibilities or not really recommended but studied one of his name was uh, Adam and uh, he was a good man but he had problems with his wife as they investigated <laughs> one reference told us that they would run around not properly clothed in the area in where they lived and so they kept on looking. They found a man named Noah. His former pastor of 120 years had no converts. Nobody ever got saved. And, and, uh, and he also had unrealistic building, building projects that he would uh, propose. Then Joseph was another man they looked at. He was a big thinker, but a braggart. Believes in dream in, interpreting, and he has a prison record. So he was scratched. Then they found a man named Moses, a modest and meek man, but a poor communicator, even stutters at times, sometimes blows his stack and acts rashly in business meetings. Some said he left an earlier church over a murder charge. He's been scratched. David was the most promising uh, leader of all until we discovered that he had had an affair with his neighbor's wife. Been scratched. Solomon was a great preacher but the parsonage wouldn't hold all of his wives. <laughs> Scratch. Now, Elijah was prone to depression, collapses under pressure often. Hosea was a tender and loving pastor, but our people could never handle his wife's occupation. 
Jonah told us he was swallowed up by a great fish. He said the fish later spit him out on the shores near there, so we just hung up the phone on him. <laughs> now, Amos was too much of a country hick. Backward and unpolished, with some seminary trading, he might have promise, but has a hang-up against wealthy people. And then, of course, you like this one. God help you not to get another John. Says he's a Baptist, doesn't dress like one. He may be too charismatic. He tends to hold up both hands in the air in worship when he gets excited, and you know we limit it to one hand. <laughs> he sleeps in the outdoors, has a weird diet, and provides denominational leaders with a lot of grief. So he's been scratched. Peter was blue-collar, bad temper, even prone to curse. And he's a loose cannon. So he's been scratched. And then the last one is Paul, powerful CEO type, fascinating preacher, however short on tact, unforgiving with younger ministers, harsh, and has been known to preach all night. <laughs> Let me give you two more. One was named Deborah. One word, female. I know that will get some more letters. <laughs> and number two was Timothy. Guess what? Too young. And then there was Jesus. Watch out. Has had popular times. But once, when his church grew to 5,000, he managed to offend them all. And this church dwindled down to 12 people. Seldom stays in one place very long, and of course, he's single. <laughs> and the last one was Judas. His reference are solid, he's a steady plotter, conservative, good connections, knows, known how, knows how to handle money, and we're inviting him to preach here next Sunday in view of a call. <laughs> <laughs> a merry heart does good like a medicine. I hope that all of us today can gather in this place and understand that this is his bride, the church. That's what the Bible refers to the church as, the bride of Christ. All of us come from different backgrounds. All of us have experienced things in our life that are good and things that are bad. But we have learned what a church is all about in 50-plus years. We have learned that this is the body of Christ. We've learned it's the bride of Christ. We have learned that it's not our church, it is His church. And He has said, I will supply the need of my people. Sagemont, God's church, never forget that. Don't ever worry for one moment that if this church stays on its knees in prayer and seeks to glorify God, the best is yet to come. I am so grateful to have been born in this city. I was brought home from St. Joseph Hospital. 
I have told this to our longtime members several times, but I was fly, flying on an airplane one time. lady was reading an astrology book. I was going to preach. I had my Bible open. She said, sir, under what sign were you born? I said, ma'am. She said, what, under what sign were you born? I said, St. Joseph Hospital <laughs> in Houston, Texas. Just drive over the Pierce Elevator, look to the right, and you go there today. It's still there. St. Joseph Hospital. I was born right there in that corner room. Grew up in Pasadena, Texas at age seven. A man by the name of, boy, you'll love what we did as kids. He was our, our evangelist. His name was Louis Wannaberger. Not Whataburger, Wannaburger. Well, that just brought the kids in just to see this funny man named Wannaburger. Well, I, uh, I got saved at the age of seven. At the age of 10, I went to the wrestling matches at the Sam Houston Coliseum, and Paul Bosch was emceeing. I was out there. I must have been a cute little thing when I was 10 years old because he called me over. I was enjoying it, and he called me over, and uh, he said, what's your name? I said, John. And uh, he said, uh, uh, well, where do you live? I said, Pasadena. And then he said, well, what are you going to do when you grow up? And my answer was, whatever God wants me to. He got more mail. I got to meet him several years later again. And he said, I got more mail about that one comment. Isn't that what you want to be? Don't you want to be what God wants you to be? And don't you want your bride, the church, his bride, the church, to be what God wants it to be? We all do. We all do. We want him to have preeminence. At the age of 15, I was, I was sitting on the back row with the youth, the teenagers. Our group's not the first ones to sit on the back row. We started that years ago. And uh, I was standing by a lady uh, who was 15 years old that said she would never marry a preacher. And I said, Don't, no problem there. And uh, God spoke to me that night when they were singing the song that I have you sing often because the same song was sung the day I got saved and I made it public. Wherever he leads, I will go. That's been the testimony of my life. Wherever he leads, I will go. I walked away from that lady and I sat right on the second seat, and I looked over to my right, and I saw her feet. You say, how'd you know? It had on loafers with a nickel in them. You remember that, old folks? I said, I think I know who that is. She said, I'll never marry a preacher. But um, she did. Later. And uh, for 54 years, like in three days, she was my wife. And God took her. God knows what he's doing. All we know is to follow him. Just to follow him. And you know what she, when, when I looked at her feet, what she was saying to my dad who was there when I came down, I said, Dad, I think God wants me to preach. My dad whispered in my ear and he said, Son, make, good, make sure God has called you into the preaching ministry because the day will come that that's the only thing that will keep you in the ministry. I've seen many days like that, but I've always stayed until God said, it's time, it's time. That's the way God works. Of course, just to move ahead a little bit, 508 days after Beth passed away, 
were the hardest, hardest of my whole life. But God did bring another person into my life. Her name is Kathy. She, she was married over 50 years to a preacher. She knew what she was getting into. <laughs> and you have fallen in love with her. And Kathy, I want you to stand for those that have not seen you. This is Kathy Reimer. She's a Christian author. She's a prayer warrior. She's written several books, been on Focus on the Family, you name it. But God sent her. My God will supply all of our needs according to his riches in glory. During those 500 days, I didn't know where there was one, but God led me. The same thing is true today. There's nobody in mind, folks. There's nobody, but the resumes will be coming. I pray for Jeremy, or I call him Geronimo. He's the one that picks up our mail. Yeah, it may get heavy for him someday. I don't know, because people know who you are. You're the greatest church on the planet. There's no church that come close to comparing what this church has done in these 53 years. You've seen one person saved every day. You've seen hundreds of people going to the ministry. You have seen thousands of people baptized. You've been in the top 5% of the churches of America for years and years and years and years. And we have gone through many transitions. We have had staff leave. We have had staff come. Uh, when Freeman Tomlin preaches in the next hour, he was this long when he came to Sagemont the first time. And his mother and daddy were going to take him home that day. And I begged them to keep him there only 30 feet from the little chapel. And I said, we'll come get you if he acted up. Well, he did, but we didn't go get him. <laughs> and mom and daddy got saved. Later on, Freeman grew up in our student ministry. We have the Wades, the Zachs. We have people, the Michael Pender, that's probably preached to three or 4,000 in Houston today. A little black boy with a smile on his face and a spring in his step. And there was another little girl riding on another one of our school buses coming into church. She went to her bus driver and our bus leader, and Brother Chuck could tell you the details of who it was. And she said, I want to ride that bus, not the bus I'm on. He said, why? Because she said, there's a boy on that bus that I want to marry. <laughs> they, we did, and she did. And one of the greatest churches in this city is that church right here in Houston where he pastors. We've seen hundreds go into the ministry. We've seen souls saved, families brought together, many married. How many of you came to know the Lord as your Savior here or some member of your family? Would you just stand for just a moment? Would you just stand and say, you are a member of your family, came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Would you do that? Would you do that? I want others to see, and those that watch by television, we're just not people got unhappy with our church or preacher and moved over here. We came because God led us. And thank you, thank you, thank you for standing. Well, I went to Baylor, pastored, 
in Sulphur Springs, Texas, Hopkins County, Posey Baptist Church. And then went to Greenvine, Texas, just out of Brenham, and pastored there. And I was there last week and had my picture made again on the steps of the church. They were for my Baptist friends. They were German Baptists. I uh, realized that when I saw one of the deacons with a bottle of beer. <laughs> They're different from Southern Baptists. We'll get into that the next time I preach, all right? And then in February 1966, God called. I got a phone call, 11 o'clock at night. I was going to a, a very strong church at that time between here and Beaumont, Texas, a First Baptist Church with a brand new parsonage. And uh, they offered me $28,000 for a salary. That was an incredible salary then. But I came to Sagemont for $6,000 a year and got the best deal that I could possibly get. I'm so glad that money does not make you what you're supposed to be, but God will speak in strange and mysterious ways his wonder to perform. So in February 1966, the Sagemont Church started. Today we have the greatest staff of any church in America. We have a greater relationship with our staff. I go to the meetings of the 50, the, the 50 largest churches every year we pastors get together. Much of the conversation is fighting, fussing staff people. We don't have that at Sagemont. The reason we don't have it at Sagemont is because the people don't fuss and fight. We move forward in one accord. We have never had an ugly word spoken in a business meeting at Sagemont. We have always voted our deacons every year, and for the deacons to serve, they must receive 90%, 90% of the vote in order to, to be the spiritual leaders of our church along with our staff. And in all of those years, in all of those years, the worst received less than 1%. Uh, I, I mean, the, the, let me say it this way. One year, we had 99.5% of the vote went to every deacon. Two or three had two or three people that voted no. That's love. That's unity. That's oneness. That's great. We got our team. But that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is that we stick with this book. The inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God. As I look at the television camera right now, if you will go through the dial and go to many, many church services, this is not the text of the morning. This is not the teaching of the group. But at Sagemont, this book is inspired, it's inerrant, and it's infallible. And as long as this church preaches this book and lifts up Jesus, he says, I will draw all men unto myself. Now hear me carefully. I want to say it one more time. It's not my church. It's not your church. It's his church. Listen to me. If you build his church, you do it his way. You build the church to glorify him, and he will draw the people. You don't build the church by giving people what they want. You give people what they need. You don't raise babies with what they want to eat and drink. You raise them on what will nurture them to be what God wants them to become. Amen. 
You are living in a day, and I'm living in a day that I thought would never come if your age is similar to mine. I never thought we would see the day come when churches would turn their back on the Word of God and say, but the people don't want to hear about repentance. They don't want you to talk about hell. Don't you say the word blood to my kids. That's where the letters come. But this book says, by his stripes we're healed. This book says, without the shedding of blood, not our blood, his blood, there is no remission for sin. This church is in one accord and believe in this book. People that don't believe this book don't stay long. And they have plenty of choices. Plenty of choices. This is not the social butterfly of the Christian community of Houston. But this is a church that you can know where you bring a person to our children's ministry, our student ministry, one of our phenomenal Bible study ministries, the greatest in the world, with all these teachers that we have. Phenomenal. You're not going to be embarrassed by somebody making a fool of themselves trying to be funny instead of trying to be godly and teaching this book. We are here to teach the book. And we're here to be, say it with me, living proof of a loving God to a watching world. We want you to bring your friends here in the past. We want you to bring more in the future. And we want to stay the course. Amen? There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. We cannot, church family, go and ask your friends what they're doing at the What's Happening Now church that's drawing people into the auditorium for whatever. That's not the church. The church is the bride of Christ. The church is what God chose to bring the gospel to the world, which leads me to maybe the most important thing that I will say to you today. The world only hope is Jesus Christ. Only hope. I'm sorry whether you're Republican and Independent or Democrat, I care less. It's not our country, it's his country, or it'll cease to exist. God's, the Bible says, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of people whose heart is perfect towards him. If you will go back and look in the archives of the minds and the hearts of many of our people that call our guests every week, the letters they receive every week, the communicating on the phone, and you will find the unique thing about our guest, are they sense, they sense that God is in this place. They know that Sagemont Church is going to always stay the course as long as his eyes are fixed upon him. We love Jesus. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. And he's just the same as his holy name. How great thou art. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. How many of you ever got saved by grace? Raise your hand. I'm not going to ask anything else because 
if you raised your hand because you got saved by some other reason, you're wrong. You only get saved by God's grace. That's it. His grace is sufficient. You can't be good enough to become a Christian. You can't be born in a Christian home and blessed like I was and be a Christian. I never was taught to be bad. And you weren't either. And neither were your kids. And I know they're perfect angels if you're a grandparent or a great-grandparent. But mom and daddy know the truth. Let me say to you that Sagemont is a generous church. The Great Hills Church in Austin would probably not be there if it was not for this church in the middle of a building program when the, when the Austin Statesman had the headlines of the paper, Grace Hill declares bankruptcy. This church was in the middle of a building program, just like we are right now. We stopped. I shared with our church, this great soul-winning church, and several of our lay people, after we took an offering here, took a check for $380,000 to bail that church out of its debt. And it's one of the strongest churches in this state today. That's Sagemont. The little mission in Friendswood on the talk show one day was talking about how they're closing. These ministered to people on the streets over in the Friendswood Paraland area. Our church, again, was in a building program. But we invited that congregation over here on a Sunday night and took an offering for them and paid off every bill that they had. That's the heart of Sagemont. This church gave 31% of its money to missions last year. It's the strongest giving mission church in the Southern Baptist Convention. That's who we are. We're not trying to build a church. Don't go, go, don't go look for a pastor to build a church. Go look for a pastor that will continue what you're already doing, and that is carrying the gospel to the uttermost part of the earth. So when Jesus comes, everybody won't come up out of Houston. They'll come from every single part of the world. We are Southern Baptists because Southern Baptists have the strongest organized mission force on the planet with thousands of missionaries all over the world. That's the kind of thing you hold to as you move forward in the days ahead. We're a multiracial church. Many nations represented here. And never, listen to me, never has this pastor in 53 years ever had a negative comment about race, color of skin, where you live, what your background is. No, 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 not one. We don't look to each other. God made us like he wanted to make us. But the thing that brings us together is when we look up. And it's good to know there's others with us from all over the world. From wherever you came, may God bless you. May God bless you. I look at this congregation this morning, so I must close. I look down here, I see Mike Hamilton. Mike, I remember the day that I came over to your house. You were a tough bird growing up, I'm telling you. And I had a call, a little child had been run over in this community. And God said, go see Mike. This is a time I remember when we prayed together. Joe Simmons, I can remember when you and your beautiful wife came and how God worked in your life. And he and I were kind of brothers. My dad had kind of adopted him. I look across and say, well, who are these people sitting at the front? Well, all of these right in here, I know about their salvation. There's James Upshaw. I used to go visit him. I'd go in the front door. He'd go out the back door. <laughs> Literally, we trapped him one night and shut the back door when we were having a revival. And, 
And, uh, and, but anyway, and seeing him and this precious family over here, the Jardina family, God bless them. They, I'll never forget tonight, they invited so Jim Jardina sent, made the first Coca-Cola in Thailand, took Coca-Cola to Thailand, and met him. We fell in love. We hunted together, and they invited me over with Beth for, for a seafood dinner, shrimp, <laughs> what we'll all have in heaven. <laughs> and they had a precious lady with them that they brought with it as, that was there. There, uh, they kept the home, the homekeeper, okay? We sat around the table, and Beth and I, one by one, prayed with all four of these to give their heart to Jesus. But let me tell you the best part of the story. When we got through, one of the girls, I don't remember which one of you girls it was, Miss Green was upstairs in their house. And they said, can we go get Miss Green and bring her here? They did. Yes, she did. She got saved. And they were all baptized here at the cross. That's what Sage Mott's all about. It's about bringing lost people to Jesus and let them be a part and get to know the bride of Christ. Sage Mott is the bride of Christ. I close. I've got to watch here my time real quick. But I do have a time to read you this scripture. This is a, this is a scripture my favorite, this is everything I've done 53 years is because of my study in the scripture I'm going to give you. I think it's going to go up on the screen. But there's a very clear teaching in the book of Acts. This is what a church is supposed to be like. It's one, two, three, four. I won't have to make hardly any comments, but I want to read to you from Acts chapter 2. Peter and the church... Here's what it says. Then they gladly received his word, and they were baptized. The same day there were added unto them 3,000 souls. Now listen to this. If you take notes, write down these four words. These are the four things that make a church its strongest. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, the word of God, in not only that, but they continued steadfastly in fellowship. Again, two fellows in the same ship. They loved each other. Number three, in the breaking of bread, holy worship, communion. Folks, don't miss communion. This is an area we failed at Sage Mod, and I have failed. We ought to have this place packed every time we have a communion service. It's the blood of Jesus that cleanses from all, all sin. It's the highest form of worship you can have. It's not to be tagged on, but our calendars get so filled and so forth. But just remember that about in the future, and then they were steadfast in prayer. They prayed together. Then, notice what happened. Verse 43, and fear came upon every soul. Not got afraid. They did not get afraid but they had a holy respect for God. A holy respect for God. Fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Miracles took place. We've seen many miracles take place at Sagemont. And then it says, And all that believed were together, and had things in common, 
the unity's there. They sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had a need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added unto his church daily such as should be saved. If you'll take the total baptisms of Sagemont Church, multiply it by the total days today, you're going to see we average one a day. Very fraction of different, one a day, every day, average. That's what a church is supposed to do.